0: Welcome to The Tea Room. The Tea Room is the podcast for GPs, where we delve into what matters most to you and what you're currently curious about. From the Medical Republic, I'm Wendy John. Thanks for joining me. If you're an early career doctor who's thinking of becoming pregnant one day, okay, so that automatically rules some of you out. But if you know someone who does have that dream, maybe they're one of your clinical team, then today's podcast could be especially relevant. An American study in 2016 showed that a substantial number of female physicians have regrets about family planning decisions alongside career decision making. I'm not going to comment about Roe versus Wade, as topical as that is for our US audience right now, but it's fair to say that combining a medical career with motherhood still has a lot of drawbacks and needs further research. Some of that research has been undertaken by Professor Nancy Baxter, who heads up the Melbourne School of Population and Global Health and was previously professor at the Department of Surgery at the University of Toronto. Professor Baxter's new research explores pregnancy risks for female physicians, and some of the findings contrast with earlier studies. So I'm curious to dig in on this one. What risks does being a pregnant doctor pose? Let's find out. Thanks for joining us, Professor Baxter.
1: Thanks very much for having me, and thanks for your interest in
0: our work. Well, look, you're welcome. I think it's going to be relevant for a huge number of our audience. Now, I can see, though, that you're all ready for our tea room chat. Can I ask, what is your hot drink of choice this chilly winter's morning?
1: Well, it's my hot drink of choice on any morning, and that's a cup of coffee, which um, I am absolutely addicted to, cannot start the day without. And honestly, I'm just thinking about coffee now, and I'm feeling more alert and awake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is a brilliant effect. Absolutely. That's nice. You've had the lived experience of being a female doctor, hence the coffee, and you've also undertaken significant research in a whole range of fields, you know, including today's topic. In your experience and from your research, what are the occupational challenges for women in this profession?
1: I think that some of my interest in this um, topic. There, there are a few reasons I was interested. Um, you know, I don't have children. Never really felt a, a huge, you know, drive or need to have children. But when I when I look back, you know, my career certainly influenced that because there's no good time to have children in medicine. Yeah, and I've seen a number of my colleagues. You know, really. Struggle trying to have children during residency, trying to you know start their practice and having to take maternity leave at the same point and time. Um, so really, kind of you know affecting their career start. And I've always thought that motherhood's kind of treated like an inconvenience in medicine, as if you know the biology of women is somehow not right for medicine. You know, we basically train people during you know peak fertility, and then when they try and have have their families. Uh, We treat them as if they've done something wrong and they're causing us problems. So I just thought it was really, really challenging for pregnancy and and childbearing during during a medical career. And so I I wanted to look more at this. And one of the things that really got me was, you know, when I was, uh, I worked for a while in Minnesota. And I remember talking to uh, one of my gynecologic colleagues. We were having lunch. And she was just talking about her pregnancy and how much work she had done during the later stages of her pregnancy. And her baby was born with uh, intrauterine growth retardation. So this is an obstetric gynecologist. Her her child was born extremely small. And she always blamed her work uh, on it and her inability to slow down around the time of her late gestation and delivery. And I always thought that a lot of women feel trapped in that. A lot of female physicians feel that they can't stop working. Uh, and, you know, I think that that's tragic in and of itself. But then I wondered if it would show up in terms of maternal and fetal outcomes.
0: So what does prior research say
1: about some of those outcomes, the pregnancy for doctors? So we did a a previous study that looked at when physicians have their children and if they have their children as compared to non-physicians. And what we found, uh, which isn't a surprise, but really the, the graphs are quite striking, is that women essentially delay child rearing until after medical school and then rapidly go up. So by the time you know women reach their 40s, they're as likely to have had a child as non-physicians, but they have that child at a much later time period. So that's what we found. We found that family physicians were more likely to have children than some of the other specialties as well, and at a slightly younger age, but still considerably older than non-physicians. And and we know that that being an older mother, especially for your first child, can have an influence on your outcomes. So that's that's our previous research that kind of led to this in, next question. Sorry, can I just
0: check when you talked about family physicians? Is that the general practitioner?
1: Yeah, so that's the equivalent of GPS in uh, in Canada. Got it. So, yeah, when you look at the literature, you know, a number of large population studies, not, not as large as ours, but population studies in Scandinavia have not really shown an effect of being a physician on on your outcomes, on maternal outcomes or fetal outcomes. But, you know, the, the systems in Scandinavian countries are, are different than some of the other systems in North America, Australia and the rest of Europe.
0: Yeah, there's a lot more, so much more support for... Uh, child care for child rearing for that those first early months of being
1: a parent and in some cases you know some jurisdictions have you know can't do xyz work after so many weeks of pregnancy oh is that right and well in canada the um residents can't uh, you know physicians in training can't do overnight call after a certain number of weeks of pregnancy
0: Right.
1: So, you know, it's, it's, there are rules and regulations in various places in terms of what work can be done after a certain advancement in pregnancy that you know, I think are something worth thinking about.
0: Is that a barrier or is that something that is positive?
1: Well, one of the sad things is I think unless um, there are um, rules and restrictions on some of these things, women kind of feel pushed to continue to work uh, until the last very minute before their pregnancy, to a point where they may not want to, uh, but feel that they have to. Now, many workplaces aren't like that, but I, I know there are some that are like that. Some m- women may want to work to the second they deliver and, and do the same pace of work. But I, I think, unfortunately, our the way our profession is run in many countries, women may not feel they have the ability to ask to do less work because they're pregnant. What did your research find? So we found that female physicians were more likely to have problems during their pregnancy and delivery. So uh, some of this called severe maternal morbidity. So that's a what we call a composite outcome. So it includes problems during pregnancy and delivery from a variety of sources, like preeclampsia, problems with you know the actual delivery itself. So you know it's a, a number of outcomes brought into one. But it's been a widely used outcome. And we found that female physicians had about a 20% higher chance of complications than did non-physicians. Now, the absolute number was relatively small. So it didn't increase the risk that much when you actually looked at the number of people affected, because Fortunately, most pregnancies go well, but it was a real number. And what was causing those risks? Yeah, so what we did then is we adjusted for other factors that could influence the risk um, to make sure whether it was the occupation itself or whether it was other things. And what we found was the most important thing was age. And the reason that female physicians had worse outcomes was because they were older. So when you controlled for age, they were no different. So it didn't appear that the occupation itself was the driving force but it was the fact that that occupation resulted in women having children at a later age and once that was adjusted for there didn't seem to be an impact that
0: feeds into what you said earlier around thinking about your career impacts your thinking around whether you have a family or how you have that family and when you have that family
1: Absolutely I mean one of the positive things we found was that actually the mortality and morbidity so the, the the major events for the infants was actually lower for female physicians. Well that's good yeah, and that was when we adjusted for everything so even after we adjusted for age, uh, women physicians their infants had fewer what's called severe neonatal mortality, morbidity so it's the same thing with bringing together this composite outcomes of various problems that infants can have. So they had a lower risk of that, which is good. So the adjusted odds ratio of that was 0.79, meaning about, you know, 20%, 21% lower odds of having an infant that has trouble. That's pretty significant. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a real number. You know, when you overall, again, when you look at it, most children do well. So it's only going to be a small number that are affected by this, but it, that's a real number. Uh, now, why that is, it's hard to know, but it is reassuring. So there's
0: fewer severe outcomes for the child. There is a an increase in risk to pregnancy due to delaying pregnancy, so related to age, but it's only a, it's a small increase of risk. What is there any difference by type of specialisation?
1: We didn't find that. So before, in, in the previous work that we had done, we found that family practitioners or general practitioners we more likely to have children than some specialties. But when we looked at this by specialty, and, and we were limited in terms of how much we could look at that, because some specialties, you know, sadly, even today don't have many women. So we, we had some limitations in terms of the comparisons we could make. But there was no obvious difference between, you know, general practitioner, family doctors and specialists.
0: Let's talk about egg freezing. It appears to be a popular choice for women physicians.
1: So egg freezing, it's interesting, it's offered kind of as a way that people can you know, kind of manage their biology in a tidy way in terms of you know, ensuring that you are able to have children even if you delay reproduction. And you know, certainly egg freezing was just developing when I was in the age that I might've considered it. And I might well have considered it because I, I think it does provide options to women to try to avoid infertility. The challenge though, is that it's not going to change what we found because what we found relates just to advanced maternal age and, you know, the experience of delivery, basically. And, you know, having your eggs frozen and, you know, having a pregnancy from those eggs doesn't change the fact that you're five years older, you're 10 years older, and it's just harder and slightly more dangerous to have children at those ages. Yeah. So while it may help with fertility, it, it isn't going to help with that. And just to talk about the absolute numbers, so I talked about the risk being about 20% higher, the odds of of a serious event happening during delivery for the mother being about 20% higher. Uh, When you look at the actual numbers, so in non-physician pregnancies in our group, about 1.7% had a serious event happen. And when you look at in physicians, it's 2.1%. Right. So, you know, that's about 0.4% more, so maybe half a percentage more. So that's, that's a small number. But when you think about kind of a large number of female physicians, you know, it, it means that there are definitely more female physicians that are experiencing a complication, again, largely because of age.
0: All the more reason for us to be having these conversations and to be talking openly around family planning and around the culture of a profession that can impact on those decisions and people and children's health.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think, again, you know, we have so many women in medicine now, and we've, I think women have waited patiently for the profession to become more friendly to women and assumed that that would happen when more of us were in the profession. But that obviously is not what's happened. I mean, I think things are better now than they were, but they're not where they should be at all and again i think motherhood pregnancy delivery it's seen as just something that's inconvenient to the profession and we just have to stop thinking about it this way it's it's part of you know normal life and that women physicians should have the op- same opportunity as everyone else to have families and to have families safely so we we need to kind of be much more open about allowing things like part-time training, allowing people adequate maternity leave, and just changing the narrative. You know, often the narrative is that when, say, a resident becomes pregnant, that they're letting everyone down by, you know, everyone needing to do extra call, everyone needing to make up for that individual and and maternity leave, leave, say. But that's really can't be the way we think about this anymore. And it's just not the way it should be in 2022. And I think it's fair
0: to say that When we think about intersectionality, that female doctors from different backgrounds have other barriers that are also impacting on this decision and amplifying their career decisions and their parenthood decisions that make it even harder.
1: Indeed. And, um, you know, definitely in the United States, you have a, a large amount of data looking at for black Americans, women delivering, that there's a substantially higher risk of morbidity and mortality and delivery. So I would anticipate that, you know, these findings would be amplified for women of color, not just in the United States, I imagine in many countries, including Canada. We weren't able to look at that, but it's a very important thing to consider. The other thing is that, you know, some cultures may still highly value motherhood, and then that might lead to more pressures for female physicians that are of uh, ethnicities where that's really, really highly valued. Um, so I definitely know some of my friends quite felt quite pressured to have children on top of their careers, and you know that can be both a blessing in terms of you know having strong families, but it can also be really challenging.
0: So this is an important conversation, not just because we support equality, because we want to have equity in healthcare and the profession. But it's also important because the rates of burnout and the experience of doctors who have mental health challenges because of stress and pressure, this all feeds into it. So it's a conversation that needs to be, we need to keep having the conversation from what you're saying. However, conversation is one thing. What's actually going to shift it? Do we need regulations? Do we need to have standards in place around this for the medical profession?
1: Well, I think that there are some things that seem kind of self-evident, making sure that everyone has access to parental leave. So definitely, I think it's important to make sure women are supported or people who are pregnant are supported in the decisions to have children in their pregnancies and, you know, in terms of maternity leave. I think it's also important to support men who want to take an active role in parenting and to think about, you know, holistically about you know, the people that we work with and how we support them. It's kind of ridiculous that when you think about it, that we create these professions where it becomes really challenging to do what is normal and natural for the vast majority of people. That's to have a family. And so it doesn't make sense that we set up our profession so that it's almost impossible for people to do so. Yeah. I think one of the other important things is, you know, often women delay childbearing until, you know, they're right at the beginning of their career. So they've finished their residency, they're at the beginning of their career, at least in Canada, they're at the beginning of the career, and that's when they actually feel able to have a child. And it means that they're taking, you know, one or two mat leaves right at the time that they're starting their career. And that ends up somehow kind of derailing many women's careers. And we need to have ways to make sure that doesn't happen.
0: Is maybe having a break during your training and study a better option?
1: Yeah, I I think that it's a good option. And I think we should be ensuring that that is an option for women at all levels of their training. We found in our previous work that almost no women had had uh, or no people had had pregnancies or delivered during medical school. So there seems to be kind of just a an, almost a no-go zone during medical school, and that's something that we need to reassess and, and create pathways so that it is possible to be pregnant and have children during medical school.
0: Do you reckon it would be easier to... Become a parent during medical school or in the first couple of years of your career?
1: I think both have their challenges. I think when you look at the impact on your career, and, and this is again anecdotal. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that the impact on your career is going to be more if you have children early in your career than in medical school.
0: Interesting. That is a space for research.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But we have so few people in Canada anyway, Ontario, so few people having had children during medical school that it's hard to study because there's just nobody. (laughs) Well, it's awful. Well,
0: that's an interesting conversation to start as well.
1: Yeah, I look forward to this being more of a focus for people that are in leadership positions because we can't just be expecting, say, the medical students to drive this. We need to kind of provide the spaces that people feel that they can have their families when they want to, and that they will be supported throughout. Is there anything that you'd like to say to wrap it up? We didn't look at the actual work done by female physicians, and we do have access to those data. So we know what their billing patterns were during their pregnancy. And so that's the next thing we want to look at, is how intensely women worked, and if the intensity of work in the time before delivery might affect you know your pregnancy outcomes because you know I I remain concerned that there are you know as we talked about some people that work up to the very end who may not want to and how that might impact on their outcomes so that's something that we we are going to be looking at in the future.
0: Thank you very much Professor Baxter for joining us today in the
1: tea room. Thanks for having me.
0: That was Professor Nancy Baxter from Melbourne School of Population and Global Health. I'm Wendy John. Thanks for joining me today in The Tea Room. The Tea Room is produced on Gadigal land by the Medical Republic team. Visit medicalrepublic.com.au to keep up to date with all the latest news and views in general practice. And while you're there, you can subscribe to our newsletter. We love to keep you
1: informed. Thanks for tuning in.